What would change in the world if you, me, and everyone choose to feed the wolf of possibilities instead of the one of doubt, distrust, and despair? The way I see it, our point of view creates reality, not the other way around. Somewhere deep within, I think we know that. In this podcast, I am daring you to claim this remarkable superpower. Join us and be inspired by trackers, explorers, and finders of possibilities from the multiverse of hope. Welcome to the podcast, Feeding the Wolf of Possibilities, with your host, Katrina Valentin. So welcome to this episode of Feeding the Wolf of Possibilities. My guest today is one of the kindest people that I know, Pam Hotling, a woman that walks her talk and has an amazing ability with difficult people in difficult situations, allowing somehow magically conflict to turn to possibilities. And Pam is a businesswoman, an access consciousness facilitator, and a clinical social worker who lives in the US. And she has also worked many years with a global access consciousness team where we shamelessly use her and her unique and benevolent capacity to handle angry, confused, and even sometimes crazy people that tend to show up when you run a global business. So that's what we're going to explore today. Her magic, unique capacity to do this. So I introduced you as one of the kindest people I know, and you truly are. And I wanted to ask you uh, what being kind means to you. Well, first, I want to say thank you so much for that introduction. (laughs) I'm just sitting here going, receive, receive. (laughs) To me, actually, it's kingdom of we. It's that willingness to include everything, everyone, all energies in whatever you're choosing and whatever you're creating, you know, because then you have the awareness. Well, if I go off on this person because I'm angry at what they they're choosing and doing, it's like, it's not just, Oh, the, the interpersonal relationship between the two of us and what, what it's going to do with that. It's also, what is that energy creating in the world? You know, what am I contributing to feeding the wolf of possibilities or a different wolf? That's brilliant. And that is really what you're doing because you're looking at that person's life, everybody around that, you're looking at access, you're looking at the future, all of it in that yeah. when you use yeah. the King of I also, I ask Gary once uh, what the difference between being nice and being kindest. And he said that being nice is, I'm going to read it so I get it right. Being nice is when your aim is to make people feel good. Mm-hmm. While being kind is the willingness to be aware of what people require and provide that. And when I look at handling people, <laughs> upset or difficult people, I tend, it's changed lately, but I tend to go to nice because I want them to feel good. And then I think it's all going to resolve itself if I just make them feel better or good. So how do you look at that? The difference between trying to be nice when you handle people or situations or being kind? Well, there, okay. I feel like there's so many places to go with that. (laughs) Um, So let me start here. So um, years ago, my husband and I, who had a very happy, you know, good marriage that worked, um, actually chose to separate and, you know, cause we had both just changed a lot and we were asking questions and, you know, I won't go into all the, the stuff about that, but 
basically we chose to separate in a way that we were best friends, co-parenting. Um, but one of my family members, like soon after this, kind of was sitting me down <laughs> and grilling me about my work with access and my benefits and my pay and all this stuff. And I asked myself, okay, so what does he require here? What he wants to know is that I'm okay. And it's not about me trying to, you know, prove to him that I am okay. He just needed to know that. And, and when you were talking about Gary's definition of kind, that's, you know, what did they require? He required to know that I was okay. And I said, hey, look, I want you to know I'm good. Like I am so happy and this is working for me. And Warren is very much part of my life and contributing to me and I'm good. And then he, you know, he, he let go of the inquisition of, you know, trying to find out all the details because I gave him what he required. Being nice to me in that situation would have been trying to calm him down. Uh, not, not that he was like, you know, upset or anything, but just I would have been reacting to what he was doing and saying and trying to negotiate and instead, I chose to not react, to act, to take the action of being the space of the energy that was like, I'm good. You don't have to worry about me. I've got it taken care of. And that allowed him to acknowledge that, yeah, I, you know, she is okay. And I don't have to worry about it. And you also did it for him. You didn't yeah. do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I've always, I've looked at that a lot, like how we, it's the intention or like the aim with it that actually is the deciding factor in a way, if it's kind or nice, because sometimes they look very similar yeah. and yet it depends on where does it come from? And he really, I, I get what you're saying. He really required that at that moment. It also though helped you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, a completely different kind of example of the kind of the space you're being and the energy you're being when you choose something, you know, you mentioned, I work with the access gaggle. So a lot of what I do has to do with the requirements of facilitator licenses and the guidelines. And then we're, you know, talking to the people who are not, you know, choosing what works for access when, with regards to their license. And you can have two facilitators take the same action but the space that they're choosing it from is either something that's contributing to the creation of greater consciousness and, you know, like the expansion of all facilitators and all of access, or they can be choosing that from a space that I'm, I'm out for what I can get from this. And, you know, and it creates two completely different things in the world and one works and one doesn't. So is that how you view like, is that a conscious way of using rules and regulations? This is how do you look at that? Because you use you have to look at them a lot and see yeah. how they actually create possibility and not, you know, limitation. Well, if it's okay to plug another podcast, Shannon O'Hara actually did a podcast with me on rules and procedures and regulations. And it was very cool because like basically what we were talking about is there's rules that create and rules that control. Yeah. Um, you can have a bunch of guidelines or rules or whatever you want to call it. And if you're very rigid 
about this is the way it is and this is what you have to do. And if you cross this line, you're out. I mean, as I'm saying that, can you perceive the like the concrete, you know, stuckness of that? And access doesn't function that way. It's like, yeah, over years of seeing people do kind of weird st- stuff sometimes <laughs> as facilitators, we've come up with some, you can't do this and you can do that. But there's always choice and there's always the exception. And there's, you know, it's it's like it's never a hard and fast rule. It's this is what we found actually creates and will create your business. And if you're going to choose this other stuff, you know, choose it. There's very few things that are, if you do this, you're out, you know, I think two that I can think of really. So let me go one step back. Cause I was, I wanted to explore this more with the nice and kind and the conflict. So when you were a kid, were mm-hmm. you afraid of conflicts or have you always been good at resolving conflicts like where where is this something you're born I I grew up in a family where conflict did not exist it was completely under the carpet like and I was a very you know now I know I was a very aware you know but I was the people pleaser I was the mediator Mm. so yes I mean my whole life I've been the person that like in college, my, the dorm mates would come to me when they had problems. I was, have often been the person that somebody talks to, to help get clarity about things. Um, but I could also see all the possibilities. Like I never took sides. It was never like, oh, my sister's right. And my brother's wrong. It's wow. Having them fight, you know, mad at each other, even though they're not saying it isn't easy. And I would, I would look for what can I do that would smooth things out. So in that family, that was maybe not the most functional thing to be doing, like getting everybody to, you know, get their anger out or something might've made things a bit easier, but it's a capacity that then kind of once I come out of the point of view of, I have to make it okay you know, then now I can use it, use that capacity to smooth things over and stuff in a very different way, um, in a way that is creating greater, not just trying to ameliorate a conflict. Well, you seem to have this, um, it's like a, a capacity to see the other side or to be in their shoes, basically, and see how they see the world. So when you start to talk to somebody who is upset over something or has a a very strong point of view about something. Where do you start? How do you get them to go on the journey with you? What's that secret? <laughs> so, so first it's about me, you know, first is if I have a point of view about it, if I'm trying to fix it, if I'm um, trying to see who's right and who's wrong, like I'm already in mm. the, in the, you know, soup, sewage soup. Right. And I can't be effective at all. And in fact, there's times where like something will come across my computer and I'm like, not going there now. I'm going to get a good night's sleep and pot and pock myself. And then tomorrow I will deal with that complaint. Right. So it's, it's, um, it's really about the space I'm being, which mm-hmm. can invite somebody to not go to defense and look at different possibilities with what's going on. So I don't get them to go with me. Like if I'm, if I have an agenda of where it's going to go, then I'm also already kind of locked into the crap, 
that that maybe they're locked into. And and, and let me give an example because I, I think this helps. Yeah. So say there's a say there's a complaint about a facilitator. I'm not trying to find out what happened. Who's giving me the right information? The the person complaining or the facilitator? It's what conversation can I have with each of them that will create something greater? And what information do I require to know kind of, is there some step that access needs to take with regards to this? And, you know, how can talking with them create greater awareness for me of what, what we choose and what will create greater? So you are not looking for what's true. No. What I can't know. I mean, unless I go in there and be judge and jury and investigate and find out the details. Um, I mean, there's actually something that, you know, I've been working with this week where two, two people, two completely different stories of what's going on. And, you know, I have a hunch <laughs> like which way it's more likely. And, and that is that neither of them are like telling the truth. You know, they're both trying to defend, protect in some way. So if I be this space that has no judgment, I'm not here to get you in trouble. I'm here to empower you to be a better facilitator. I'm here to, you know, empower you to be aware of what you're creating. Like, and, and it could be you're creating yourself getting unlicensed, but it's, you know, that's very rare. So that, how, how do people react to that when you're not trying to get to the truth? Because most people would want you to be the judge and the jury and all of that, and then tell them if they're right or not right, or preferably right. that they're right, obviously. First, I'll say so many times, because oh, oh, I've been doing this for many years, right? So, so even though it doesn't happen that often, you know, there's been quite a few. The, the times where somebody's been massively defensive most of the time, by the end of the conversation, they're thanking me. So somehow I'm able to go from they think they're getting in trouble and have to lie or defend or whatever to even if I'm kicking them out of access, there has often been times where the awareness it created for them of where they were functioning from. Thank you. Because a lot of people want somebody to tell them if they're right or wrong. Like they want somebody to be that judge. So how well, do you handle that request basically from them or the need from them? That also gives me information. If one of the people complaining is functioning from that space of there's a right and a wrong here and I need to know I'm right, that gives me information about what's actually going on. Mm. Mm. Right. Because um, then they're perceiving things in a very black and white way and judging. Right. So if one of the parties is doing that and the other one is like space and question and that, that gives me information. So what do you do if one of them starts, if the person you're talking to starts attacking you and kind of like trying to pull you into this fight? What I'd say is it's never happened because I think I don't allow it. Like. I'm, okay, so whether we're talking about, you know, me doing this job or whether it's you and your husband or, you know, you and your boss or, you know, you and your parent, like whoever, whatever the, the interaction is, it's truly on you, whether you go into reaction, whether you get caught up in their point of view or not. 
if you look at it, like what are the tools of consciousness? A lot of people listening to this may not have heard of consciousness at all. So what are your, like if you had three tools that were always yeah. with you in these okay. kind of situations, what would, them, what would they be? Interesting point of view. I have that point of view or interesting point of view. They have that point of view. It's that, that willingness to know that nothing is solid and concrete unless we make it so. And when you're in that space of it's just an interesting point of view, they, you know, they, yes, that's their point of view. They think that there's a right and a wrong here and a, and that there are, this justifies the action they took or whatever. One time, you know, I talked to somebody who had committed a crime, you know, thinking that it was justified, you know, and so that's their point of view. Then if I go into that of like, yeah, this was justified or it wasn't justified and I'm trying to figure out if it is or isn't, I am also being that rigid space and I can't invite a different possibility to be available. So, yeah, sometimes what I do is I'm, I'm brought into a, a group of people who work together and there's something not working. And maybe it's the system that they're using to try to accomplish the work, or maybe it's interpersonal things, which usually have to do with where they have a very strong point of view about how things should be done. You know, I'm there to come in and kind of talk to everybody and, you know, you know, a lot of times people think in terms of, and I mentioned when I was little, you know, mediation. To me, this is very different. Mediation is more like, okay, trying to get everybody to come to something they can agree on. To me, it's more shifting the energy of the interactions so that people come off of, I'm right, and this is how it should be, and you're wrong, and you should go away, or like whatever it is. If I can in somehow of how I'm interacting with them, invite them to come off of that strong point of view, then they can start seeing, oh, well, yeah, maybe this could be a little more this way and this could be a little more that way. And it's not a, I have to give up to compromise. It's I can choose what's going to work. Things become malleable. Like yes, yes. malleable. Mm. I would say that one of the main tools that you be is the energy you be yes. in any situation. So could you talk a little bit about that? Like yeah. being an energy, a different energy that changes and transforms a situation. Yes. Well, like I said, you know, part of it is, is being willing to be present with myself. Mm. If I'm hungry, if I'm tired, if, I, like, you know, if somebody contacts me about something and my reaction is, oh, fuck, I can't believe they're doing that. That is not the space for me to be, to actually go engage with any of the people involved and create something different. So the very first thing I do is use some of the access tools, like, you know, who does this belong to? You know, what am I aware of? Um, am I picking up on other people's stuff? Because if somebody is sending me this complaint, I'm immediately aware of, like, their universe, their point of view. It's like, there's this energy of all of it that now it's in, brought to my attention, I can tap into and be aware of. So it's that recognizing, you know, is it my frustration or somebody else's? Am I just tapping into the energy of the conflict? And then, you know, in, in Access, we have an amazing clearing statement and I will clear my points of view, which is basically helping me clear 
where I'm stuck, where I'm, you know, agitated or whatever, so that I can be that space that we've been talking about. Say I'm trying to do my job right and I need to do a good job. I need to, I need to show Gary and Dane and Katerina and everybody, like I can do this. If I'm in that space, I'm trying to prove and I'm going to be filtering everything through that to see how I can make a good choice here to make this come out right. Oh, the energy of that to me is so not light and not ease. So anything like that that I have, I need to set that aside. I guess I haven't actually said this, but the no judgment, which is such a part of access, is is a huge part of this. Because if I'm going into the space of trying to judge what I'm supposed to do or who did what or should they be doing this or not, I, I cannot be that space. But if you look at it, so basically you are the space of no judgment, which mm-hmm. is consciousness in many ways. And then you're inviting the people that you interact with to this space because you're being, yes. so they have an invitation to come in there. Yeah. Do you find that people naturally are attracted to that space? No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, some people are like, I think there's the people who are attracted to it and the people who go running for the hills um, because it's too much. It's too present. And so because like what we're talking about with what I do with access, there are rules like there is, you know, there is a data protection law. And if you're breaking that data protection law that has, you know, that has things that are going to get created from that. So this also, it isn't about being a marshmallow. It's not like, oh, uh, you know, joy and space. And this is all going to be light and easy. Like I am willing to be that very direct, strong, this can't, you cannot do this and be a facilitator. Or, you know, my, I used to have, you know, an, an extended relative who was really difficult to, you know, to interact with. And my husband would kind of be like, how are we going to do this one? And that willingness to be direct and to, you know, this doesn't work and no, this isn't happening. Um, So so it's not everything's light and hunky-dory and sweetness and ice cream. And it's a willingness to be whatever is required in that moment. In the same way we talked about, you know, mm-hmm. what does someone else require? It's the awareness of all of it and choosing based on the awareness of what will this choice create? How did you go from like a childhood mediator in a family uh-huh. that didn't have any conflict to becoming and have access to that, like really being able to say what's required in certain situations and be that energy of, no, this doesn't actually work. I've always known more was possible. And what I used to do early on was I was really driven to always change. As soon as I noticed anything about myself that was a limitation, it was like, this is changing. And I'd find whatever I had to, to change it. So, so part of it was a lot of of working on myself. I actually was in therapy for years. I was, I mean, I was a depressed, suicidal, anxious, you know, agoraphobic teenager, you might be really surprised by that. Now I know I was very, very aware and didn't have any tools to use with that. But I can remember I had this amazing therapist and 
she'd always ask me, well, what do you think, Pam? You know, <laughs> what you like, and basically, I mean, the words I would put to that now is she was helping me find my reality. Because a lot of us who have that capacity, the, the empathy, the mediation, the, you know, smoothing things out, those of us who have those capacities, like we're so aware of everybody else and their points of view and their stuff. Like we don't know who we are or what are, you know, what is us. So, you know, so what I would say is over the years, I did a lot of different things to help me find me. And I had done a lot of that to the point where I had a really happy, enjoyable life. You know, then when I got introduced to the tools of access consciousness, it was like, okay, blow all this stuff out of the water. There's, you know, like any residual stuff I got, you know, I could change and it became super easy to, to be this kind of space. But I'm also hearing that you are being this space from you. You're being you. Yes. And that's where the, where the core of all of this is coming from, like a yeah. sense of who yeah. you be. Yes. Well, and I think that for each of us, like when we, when we undo like the crap we've been using to limit ourselves and we start actually being, you being and me being can look completely different. But when you're being you, like the, the capacities and the potency and the ease and the possibility that brings to the world, you know, to you and your life, but to the world, the way I think of it is like, if one of us is sitting here kind of being like, that's radiating out around and changing the people around you. You know, you asked like, how do I, you know, get them to kind of come on board with the, um, yeah. with coming at things in a different way. It's because I'm being it. It's very hard for someone else to fight if you're not fighting. Like, you know, if somebody wants to defend, but you're not attacking, if someone like it, it melts. And so, you know, the more of us who are choosing to be, and you know, who am I? What is my point of view? Like, what would I like to create? Like all of that, the more each of us is being that, you know, that's a contribution to the earth. It's a contribution to everyone around you. It's, it's the, the airwaves of the world being filled with that instead of I'm wrong, they're wrong, you know, how could they do this to me? Like, that kind of energy? Are you feeding possibilities? Or are you feeding something else? Every moment that we choose to be us without the crap, we're feeding the wolf of possibilities. And that is like a tangible change in the world. It's not just an idea. And you know, that kind of ties into, I only have a few questions left here, but I was wondering what what do you get back from when you do this? What's your, what's the joy in it for you? What, what gives you joy with this particular part of your job? I know you do a lot of different things, yeah. but this particular part, what gives you joy in this one? With every interaction, with every choice I make, I'm creating a greater planet, a greater reality, um, more possibilities, more choice, more energy of creation and light and ease in the world. When I have that those conversations and the person chooses greater, like the world's a greater place and I'm greater for having had that interaction. And there's an expansion of energy 
you get something out of it because you change the world with every interaction that you have there's a different possibility in the world and you fed the wolf of possibilities. And I fed the wolf of possibilities. And, you know, and, and it's not, you know, I don't mean to say, I'm not like this all the time. <laughs> like I have my moments. Every moment you can choose. You can choose to feed the wolf of possibilities or you can choose something else. And it's not that these actions are feeding the wolf of possibilities and these aren't. It's, are you being in a space that is ease and joy and creation and possibilities, you know, are you choosing? I mean, honestly, when you are that space and you choose, it usually is for greater ease and joy and possibilities and everything. It just keeps creating more and more. So if, if there is somebody listening to this now who possibly is kind of inclined to be more like a mediator, um, kind of trying to be nice and get everybody to feel good, and they have a difficult situation of some kind or a difficult person that they're dealing with, what would be like a first step they could take today to so creating something different? The first thing I would do is do something for you that shifts the energy you're being, whether that's take a walk outside. If there's someone in your life that when you talk to them, they inspire you to be more you and to have clarity and ease, talk to them. You know, if it's, uh, you know, maybe it's cooking, maybe it's, you know, whatever it is that you do that brings you joy and that sense of space and ease. And then I would also look at where do you have an agenda or a strong point of view about whatever's going on? Because if you have that, any interaction you do regarding whatever this conflict is, is going to be tinged. with that, right? It's not going to be a clear interaction. It's going to be, you're trying to get them to get it. You're trying to get them to go somewhere or, you know, choose something or be different or whatever it is. So, and and there's, there's many tools in the world to, you know, to help you um, have that clarity and come into it with what's possible to change here and create here and be different here, that question, what's possible that could create something different is a very different thing than how do I get them to be like this, that I know I have decided is what's going to fix the situation. So to try to come at it without the point of view, which when you're very invested in it, that's not easy. And that's where I go to the access consciousness tools, because to me, those are very easy to undo where you're making it very significant and you're vested in what's going to happen so you can have that space and come at it from more space you know what if the world functioned like that what if that's how we resolved conflicts in the world and that's what that's what really i would love to see what would be possible then well, I'm hoping it's like a hundredth monkey thing. Maybe it takes more than a hundred. I mean, it does take more than a hundred of us and it doesn't have to be constant. Maybe it's two minutes a day. You choose to be space and possibility instead of the, the judgment and the points of view. That is a contribution that changes everything. You don't have to evolve into this conscious being. And then finally, you know, you can make a difference. No, it's like, any moment that you choose to feed the wolf of possibilities is an exponentializing change in the world. I love that. We're going to end there. Thank you so much, Pam, for coming on and having a conversation with me. And uh, 
if you're listening, I love this, getting out of investment and agenda and see what else is possible then. Thank you so much. Thank you, Katerina. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, Feeding the Wolf of Possibilities. I hope you have more space in your world now. If you would like to listen to earlier episodes, share with other people or subscribe, please go to Spotify, iTunes, or visit katerinavalentin.com slash wolf.